Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Go with me, if you will, to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. We'll start there. We've kind of been in the midst of a series a little bit on these Wednesday nights. And um, I think we'll wrap it up tonight. But um, I want to stir you up again by way of reminder that uh, we have been focusing on our responses, if you will, to the challenges uh, of life. We, we know this, that life is never void of challenges, even coming into the kingdom, even being a kingdom citizen. There are still challenges that Jesus even spoke, and he said, in this world, uh, you will have uh, obstacles, challenges, trials. But then he also said, be of what? Good cheer, for I have overcome. So we recognize this. We're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. I said, we're not fighting for victory, we're fighting from victory. That means that your position going in is one of victorious, one of being an overcomer, one of, uh, of whatever is coming against you is already defeated, but now you have to work it out. Now we have to put into practice the things that are necessary so we can see the victory manifest in our lives, amen? And so uh, we want to be able to approach challenges on the right level because if we have a wrong approach, we're not gonna get a desired outcome. If we have a wrong approach, we won't have a desired outcome. Much of life is not what happens to you, but it's your response to how it happens or to uh, uh, how you perceive. Uh, It's not necessarily reality, but it's your perception or your view of what is taking place. And so we wanna have a right approach to the challenges that we face. You're gonna face marital issues. You're gonna face financial issues. You're gonna face uh, uh, you know, things in your body, things in this world. We live in a fallen world where those things uh, uh, surround us and want to overcome us. And so the last several weeks, we've been just working on our perspective, if you will, been working on our approach. How are we approaching this? And in James chapter one and verse two, James chapter one and verse two is very clear. He says, my brethren, so he's talking to the believers, to the church, that's you and I. My brethren, count it all joy, not some of it, not 50%, not 95%. He says, count 100% of it joy when you fall into various trials. So when do I count it joy? When I come out? No, when I go in. As I'm entering the trial, I'm in joy. As the thing is trying to get a hold of me and come upon me, I'm in joy. My position is in joy. So therefore, joy is not a result of something. Joy is not my reaction, but joy is my perception. Joy is my position. I'm in joy. So no matter what comes against me, no matter what I face, no matter what obstacles or challenge that may happen, it doesn't move me off of joy. My joy is not determined by what happens to me. My joy is something internal that changes how I go through something external, okay? So we gotta, we've got to make sure that our joy is not a, 
a thermometer that's detecting what's around you, but it's a thermostat that's setting you in a position that regardless of what happens around you, you're in joy. So we've covered that. We've got to remain in joy. When you fall into various trials, verse three goes on to say, knowing that the testing of your faith, the testing of your faith. We've said this, faith that isn't tested can't be trusted. Amen. There are challenges, and look, the challenges aren't necessarily coming against you. They're coming against your faith. It's really not even about you. Look at your neighbor say, it's not even about you. Got about 50% participation on that one. It's not about you. It's about your faith. The enemy's after your faith. The enemy's not after you. He's after your faith. It's the testing of your faith. You feel like you're being tested, but it's really your faith and trust in God that's being tested. And this is the thing. You don't really know what you have until it's tested. So this is what we're trying to change our viewpoint with. The world has a negative uh, approach to testing and to challenges, but God has a positive approach to testing and challenges. God actually... uh, uh, uses these tests, not that he's bringing the test, but he's using it as an opportunity to determine where does your faith stand? Where does your faith lie? It's our faith that moves God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse six tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. I'm telling you right now, there's zero percent pleasure that God has in us if we're not move, moving, living, and operating in faith. Pleasure doesn't come, uh, his, his pleasure over us doesn't come from, you know, how well we do or, or how much scripture we know or, or our attendance, uh, you know, mark for church for the year. That's not what pleases God. That's how, what those things can build your faith. But God is ultimately pleased in your life by what your faith is doing, by where your faith is at. And so it's the testing of our faith And he goes on to say that it produces something. Now, we like to think that the testing of my faith produces miracles. The testing of my faith produces uh, peace. My testing of my faith produces all these blessings that we're believing for. And, you know, in a roundabout way, yes, but in this verse, he's showing us that there's something else that God's interested in. More than you having everything that you think uh, God should just hand you and give you, God wants to know if your patience is being developed. We saw last week that your endurance, what's gonna help you last? What's gonna help you last, not just through this storm or this trial. You know, uh, 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 it's dangerous if we approach faith or only build our faith to the level to pass the test right in front of us. That's how I got through high school. I studied just enough to pass the test just enough to get through, to put it behind me and move on to the next thing. And so here I am cramming all night long. I, I will procrastinate, procrastinating. I will put off procrastinating. 
I will wait to procrastinate. That's how bad I am with procrastination, especially I've gotten a lot better in my 30s. Uh, I've learned a few things, but in my, my teens, uh, I'd put it off to the last minute. I remember one night I was writing a paper till 5.30, had to be up by 6.30 to get ready for school, closed my eyes for about maybe, you know, 40, 45 minutes and slammed the alarm a couple times. And it had, But I was up till about 5.30 in the morning writing a paper that I had eight weeks to write. Anybody with me? You're going to leave me hanging all the way up here by myself. That's all right. But I passed it. Teacher was impressed. I would laugh at the other kids that said, I'm using my study hall time to do this. I was playing snake on my TI-83 or TI-86 or whatever it was. Anybody remember those? Anybody played snake? Yeah, that's... Now we've got this stuff. It's got all kinds of, Camden has no idea. He would be so, he would just enjoy Snake. Roblox and Fortnite ain't got nothing on Snake. So that's what I was doing in my time. But when, when cram time came, and that's how a lot of us build our faith. Just enough for the trial in front of us. Just enough to pass this little moment right in front of us. And, and, and we're crying out, screaming, you know, okay, now I need to get in the word. And, and God is trying to help us see something that faith is should be proactive, not reactive. We should continually be in a posture of building our faith. But continually in a place where, where we are challenging our faith. And again, these words, it sounds like, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to welcome challenges? Well, if you go work out in a gym, but don't want the challenge or the test or the pressure or the things that come to help you build muscle, then you're wasting time. If you only go in to do what you already can do, God doesn't want us in maintenance mode with our faith. He wants us in explosion, growing, active faith that is always being challenged to rise to the next level. And we know that faith can grow and we know that our faith can develop because the Bible tells us that there's a such thing as little faith, small faith, uh, no faith. Uh, the Bible tells us that we all are given a measure of faith, but if it can be measured, that means it can be measured greater, measured less. And we know that faith, just like a muscle, we can all develop them to greater or lesser degrees. In here, we've got people that have developed muscles to greater or lesser degrees, and it's the same with our faith. And it's all about what you give your attention to. Faith requires focus. Faith demands focus. And where I give my focus is where I build my faith. Amen. Where I give, and and. and you know, many of us could look back. I know I could look back and, and remember trials, challenges in my life, in ministry, personally, in my marriage, whatever the case is where I've had to battle, I had to test, I, I had to, to uh, uh, you know, give attention to something. And going through it might not have been a lot of fun, but I can tell you this, on the backside of it, my faith was developed. My faith was built. My faith was encouraged. And I could say, man, I remember that. And because I remember what God did there, I'm ready to face what is next, what is in front of me. The one thing that the devil will never do, and the Bible is very clear about this, he'll never give up. 
In fact, you know, without getting too deep into eschatological, uh, 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 you know, futuristic things in the book of Revelation, he's going to get locked up for a thousand years, but then he's going to get let back out and he's going to go right back to doing what he's been doing. And people will still fall for the same thing they're falling for today. They will still fall for it. We, we know this, that he's never going to give up doing what he's doing, which means I've always got to be prepared for a test. I've always got to be prepared for a challenge. And I need to change my approach or my perspective of testing and challenges almost to a point of I welcome them, bring it on, because you don't know what I'm going to be like on the other side of this thing. The enemy doesn't know that he's actually helping me strengthen and develop my faith in my God because he's gonna bring me through. He did it before, he'll do it again, amen? So verse four says, let patience have its perfect work. That means complete. That means complete. So that tells me that patience can have an incomplete work. If patience can have a complete work, fulfilled, satisfied, then patience can also have an incomplete, unfinished, didn't quite make it there, didn't endure, didn't last. And we talked about endurance last week. But he says, let your patience have its perfect or complete work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So I need endurance in my life. How about you? Amen. So we've been looking at our approach to challenges. Uh, every great faith person that we read about in the word of God, uh, uh, that we look up to, we say, man, what a, what a man of faith. I mean, even the ones that are identified in Hebrews chapter 11, you know, they don't make it into Hebrews chapter 11, which is kind of the hall of faith, the Moses and the Abraham and the Sarah and, and all the different ones that are, you don't make it there without some test or challenge. And we've said this before that many of us want great faith, but we don't want to go through the great challenges that build or develop the great faith. You can't have one without the other. You can't have victory without a battle. Amen. And so we want to have the right approach. We want to have the right perspective. Uh, go with me, if you will, to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 14. 1 Samuel chapter 14. The last thing I want to hit on and kind of wrapping this up, I believe we'll wrap this up tonight, is, you know, we've talked a lot about joy. We've talked about how joy uh, isn't, you know, based on, isn't a response to something, isn't a response to everything going my way, but it's my position going into a test or a trial. My joy is not set by that. Um, but I want to talk about celebrating victories, celebrating victories. I want to talk about the need to remind ourselves and position ourselves in remembrance for what God has done. And there's a very uh, huge element here but you won't be ready for the next. Celebration is what helps you not just finish the last trial, but prepare for the next trial. Okay? 
Celebration doesn't just help you enjoy the last trial, but it helps you prepare for the next trial. And so many of us get so exhausted and wore out even from a trial. And even if we make it through, even if we see victory in our lives, the next challenge comes up. And if that one didn't take us out, this one will. And so I want us to be in a position where we can always be in preparation for the next thing. In 1 Samuel chapter 14, and starting with verse 23, it says this. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle continued. Now that sounds weird, doesn't it? The Lord saved Israel, and the battle continued. The Lord saved, doesn't feel like you're saved if there's still something continuing, right? I mean, it, it almost sounds like they go against each other. It almost sounds like they're contra, okay, did he save us? Or are we still fighting? Did he say? But this is what happens in our lives is we recognize God's past work in our lives. We know that it's finished, complete, it's done. The victory has already been won, but there is a continuing that we must remain in. And if we lose sight of that, then we'll just sit back and act like, uh, you know, God's already done it and there's nothing I need to do. God's done his part. Now we have to do our part. And I can tell you, again, that the enemy will continue to come after you. In fact, I've learned this, even with my son's uh, uh, baseball team, uh, we beat the team that was undefeated this year. We beat them. We had lost to everybody else just about, but then we come up on the first place team. Nobody had beat them. The second place team lost to them by one run. So we're going in and, and it was funny because the game before we lost to the only team that hadn't won a game yet. So we lost to the worst team and right around that, we're going to play the only team that hasn't lost yet. And I was thinking, you know, this isn't looking good, uh, you know, Let's just, let's just have fun. Yeah, right? You know, it, it, it's just about, it's not about winning. It's just about having, I had, I had to actually stoop down to that level with these kids. And it was every, all of my conservative Republican energy within me was like, we're not going here right now. I'm not, but I just, I just said, guys, relax, just have fun. Because I knew what they were thinking and I knew what I was thinking I knew the standings. We all knew where the, Reds, where the Reds were positioned and we went in and we beat them by one run. It was one of the best days of my life. <laughs> right there behind getting married. I mean, I was, I was picking kids up on my shoulders. I took the Gatorade bucket, poured it on myself. No, I didn't do that. I didn't do all that. But it was a great day. Felt awesome. But tomorrow night, that's the team we get to play in the playoffs. And so I've learned this. We beat them last time. They're gunning for us this time. And uh, I was actually texting Matt about it last night and telling him, you know, because we got our playoff schedule and everything. And, and so I was telling him and I said, yeah, we're going to have to bring our A game. And he texted back and he said, it's more like they're going to need to bring their A game. 
And I was like, you're right. You just helped change my perspective. Thank you so much. And that's how we need to approach these these issues, we come through one, we've got a victory, and man, it's exhausting, it's taking everything out of you, but you've got to keep yourself in a position that just because you got him last time doesn't mean he's given up, doesn't mean he's laying down, he's, he, he's, he's stupid enough that he's going to keep coming after you. And this is the thing, he can't overcome you unless you lay down. The enemy cannot stop you unless you stop yourself. Many times we are our own worst enemy. You defeated him with depression, he's gonna come at you with anxiety. You defeated him with finance, he's gonna attack you in your marriage. You, you, and, and, and so we've gotta keep ourselves guarded, gotta keep ourselves protected, gotta keep ourselves in a position that we, we recognize that there's always a threat against us. There's always opposition, there's always an obstacle and he's always looking for an inroad. He's always looking for a way to get at you. And I've seen a lot of believers, man, they'll be victorious in nine areas and lose in one. They've got every other gate locked up, but they left the gate open in their marriage or they left the gate open in their finances or they left the gate open in this or that. And so we've always gotta be on guard. And so it says here, the Lord saved Israel that day, but the battle continued to rage even beyond Beth Avon. Even beyond where you're at today, there's another challenge. There's there's another battle. There's another victory to be won. And so it goes on to say, now the men of Israel were pressed to exhaustion. Pressed to exhaustion. Look, winning is just as exhausting as losing. I'll tell you right now, we can't kid ourselves to think, oh, I'm victorious, so it's not gonna take any, any of my energy or my effort. No, it'll take all your energy and your effort to win. Absolutely it will. You'll be huffing and puffing at the end and you've got the victory. You've overcome, but there's a, a, an exhaustion. And many times, many times there's a physical exhaustion that shows up. I just experienced this in my life at the end of last year, which I was physically exerting myself in ways that I never had with the move into this building and things like that and, 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 and taking on things. But, but a lot of it was just the, 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 the pressures and the weights and the challenges of what 2018 held. And by the time we got down to Thanksgiving right before Christmas, it, 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 it took it out of me, even physically in my body. And so I had to re-energize. I had to put myself in a position. And I'm really talking to a lot of people that are like me that, that you move from one thing to the next. You, you move from one battle to the next. I've, you, you, you know this about me. Those of you that know me well enough, I'm not the celebrator in my family. You know, my Camden lost a tooth today. He got it kicked out of his face, which I was glad he did because... Uh, it would have taken him like 10 years to lose the tooth otherwise. <laughs> so he, I saw him at school like, you pulled it out? No, John kicked it out uh, on, the, on, the, on the swing. He was swinging and he kicked me in the face and it knocked. I was like, that's awesome. Yes, that's, can we kick the other ones out? They're, they're all wiggling and we just go pull them. No, 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 don't touch it. Let's just accidentally kick them all out. That's, this is recorded, right? It's, Save this for him when he gets older. My dad laughed 
when a kid kicked my tooth out of my face. It was loose, barely hanging there, just so you know. I'm not talking, I'm talking about a baby tooth. I'm talking about his real teeth. Oh, gosh. I gotta give context. So, uh, you know, I, I was just like, you know, high five, good job. You know, didn't really do anything. I mean, the other kid did all the work. Uh, but my wife, you know, being the celebrator that she is, I, I should be high-fiving the other kid. Thank you, man. That's awesome. Accidentally kicked some more out. So my wife, being the celebrator that she is, I mean, she's like, and, and look, I don't know what the tooth fairy was handing out when I was a kid, maybe a quarter, maybe 50 cents. We're up to like $20 bills now. I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you trying to make up for not having more children? And so we got to give all... We got to give Camden all the money that we would have if we had three or four. Like, what is happening here? You got to be kidding me right now. Gift cards to Target. Uh, and if she tells her parents, we'll have checks in the mail. We'll have balloons. Uh, we'll have, you know, people coming and dancing at the door, singing songs. I'm like, what is happening, man? And we've got like 32 or more teeth to go. It's insane. So that's my wife. She's, she loves to celebrate things. But, I, you know, even, even when we have victories, you know, I easily, woo, and move on to the next thing. You know, I, I, don't, I don't camp out very long. But this message is for those of you that are like me. And if you're not like me, then you can just leave and go have a party or celebrate it. Whatever y'all do. Uh, some of y'all are celebrating and you haven't even won yet. It's, amen. All right, here we go. So says the men of Israel were pressed to exhaustion that day because Saul had placed them under an oath saying, let a curse fall on anyone who eats before evening before I have full revenge on my enemies. Saul was not able to stop and celebrate the small victory because he was waiting for the whole victory. He's waiting for the whole thing to be done. And so here, the Lord saved Israel that day. The Lord has given them uh, a victory. Even though the battle's continuing, they won this, this element of it. But Saul is saying, we're not doing anything. Don't even try to re-energize. Don't eat anything until we win this whole thing. So no one ate anything all day, even though they had all found honeycomb on the ground in the forest. They didn't dare touch the honey because they all feared the oath they had taken. But Jonathan, his son, had not heard his father's command and he dipped the end of his stick into a piece of honeycomb and ate the honey. After he had eaten it, he felt refreshed. But one of the men saw him and said, your father made the army take a strict oath that anyone who eats food today will be cursed. This is why everyone is weary and faint. My father has made trouble for us all, Jonathan exclaimed. A command like that only hurts us. See how refreshed I am now that I have eaten this little bit of honey. If the men had been allowed to eat freely from the food they found among our enemies, think how many more Philistines we could have killed. This is the thing that I know is that if the enemy can't keep you from victory, he will keep you from enjoying it. If the enemy can't keep you from victory, 
he'll keep you from enjoying it. If the enemy can't keep you from victory, and we know that we already have victory over him, and we know that even when we come through a trial, even when we come through the wilderness, come through the pressures, come through the challenges, if we're not intentional to stop and look back, reflect upon, and celebrate what God has done in our lives, I know I will be malnourished to the point that I will not be able to fight the next battle in front of me. The word of God tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. How do I strengthen myself? Through joy. And we saw this last week, that joy is our position through endurance. But when we get to the end of a battle, when we get to the end of a victory, when we have come through the, the, the strain, the trial, the pressure, we're seeing things turn, we're seeing God work. We need to take intentional time to recognize what God has done, reflect on what God has done, and worship him and praise him. Because that's what gives us our joy. Our joy then gives us our strength. Amen? It's, it's too many times that I see, uh, uh, I think I even mentioned this last week, I was talking with someone recently and they were talking about a, a struggle or a trial in their life uh, that they were going through, had recently gone through. And he made this statement that one of the things that got him through it uh, it was actually his brother had, a, uh, had come down with a disease and was hospitalized and even close to the point of death, there was really no hope. And um, they're on the backside of it and they're doing well. But he made the comment, he said, I had to continually give myself gratitude checks. I had to continually put myself in a posture to find something to be thankful for, find something to be grateful for. I wanna encourage you that you always have something to celebrate. We always have something to celebrate. And I know that's the last thing you wanna hear <laughs> when you're going through a trial, when you're going through a struggle, is hey, let's find something to celebrate. But I, I know this, that especially in pressure moments, especially in, in, in challenges and struggles, it's usually the thing that I feel uh, that I wanna do the least that yields the greatest results. <clears throat> it's the things that I wanna do that I feel the least inclined to do that actually end up bringing the greatest results in my life. Let me encourage you tonight that it's great to worship, it's great to sing, it's great to rejoice, it's great to have those songs belted out. You know, I've seen you move, you move the mountains. Great to do that stuff when you've come through the other side. But you know when you really need it, when you're in it, when you see the mountain standing right in front of you, when it doesn't look like it's going anywhere, when it looks like it's impossible, when it looks like, you know, it feels like maybe God's not even listening. Where's he at? God, are you even paying attention to my life? We've all had these internal conversations. That's when you need to open your mouth and say, I've seen you move, you move the mountains, and I believe you'll do it again. This is where our confidence is built. This is where our faith is assured and founded in, 
in who God is and what he can do. We can't just be singing songs when we feel like it. Look, you can't just praise when you feel like it and you can't complain when you feel like it. Then we turn into the Israelites going through the wilderness and with their moaning and groaning and their griping and complaining and their, their whining and, and, and their bickering and, and all their hostile conversations and all their questioning. And, and, and again, victory after victory coming through the Red Sea. It's amazing that the Red Sea was more important to Israel's enemies than it was to them. How do I know that? Because Jericho was shut up. Joshua chapter six tells me that Jericho was so well fortified because they had heard about the Red Sea. I can tell you right now, you might not have faith in what God can do, but the enemy has faith in what God can do to the point that he knows, he's fearful. He is afraid that you will ever figure it out. You pose no threat to the enemy as long as you don't know what he knows. I said, you pose no threat to the enemy as long as you don't know what he knows. The enemy knows more about our victory. The enemy knows more about our position. The enemy knows, the enemy knows he's defeated. The enemy knows he's weaker. The enemy knows it's finished. He was there. He was there. He saw Jesus die on the cross. He saw Jesus come back three days later. He was there when Jesus went down and took the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He, he knows very well. He's very well in tune with, with his position, but that does not mean he's gonna lay down. That means that he's going to operate in deception and trickery to keep you from knowing and recognizing who you are in Christ and what you have available to you. That's how he operates. And so, we have, uh, number one, we've, we've got to come to know what our rights are as a believer, what our identity is in the kingdom of God, what belongs to us. You gotta start there. And then you have to remind yourself of that even when it doesn't look like that on the outside. Look, there's, there's nothing in this world that can happen to you that can take away what God has done for you. can't do it. But the enemy can keep you from walking in the blessings and walking in the, the provisions and walking in the identity that he's already made available to you. He sure can. Because we cannot live beyond what we know. I can't live beyond my knowledge. I can't live beyond, I can't live to a degree or to a level that I have not yet obtained knowledge of. So I've got to grow in my knowledge base, I gotta grow in who I am and what belongs to me and, and, and what, what my position is in the kingdom of God. Then I've gotta operate in that authority. I've gotta operate in that position of telling the enemy who he is what, what, and, and how he's under my feet and what position I'm in. I've gotta remind him of that. But one of the key factors that we miss is when we come through a victory, when we even see God working in our lives, we don't give ourselves opportunity to enjoy it, to rejoice in it. Romans chapter five says it this way, and it really is just repetitive to everything else that we've heard. But Romans chapter five and verse three, 
in the New Living says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. That is eternal. That is your position in Christ. When you've come out of darkness into light, that's your position in Christ. That's what he's made available to you. And he's not rescinding on that. He's not taking that away. But this is what it says. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully, confidently and joyfully, confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. He goes on to say, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Does that sound familiar? Count it all joy when I fall into. We can rejoice when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance. This is James chapter one, two and three all over again. Why can I rejoice when I run into problems and trials? I'm telling you, you wanna confuse everybody at your work? Rejoice when you should be crying. You wanna confuse, and look, you ever been around somebody that laughed at the wrong thing at the wrong time? It's very awkward. You might be one of those people. We shouldn't all be, we shouldn't be laughing right now. That's not the correct response. I'm not talking about that. But I am saying that our responses to trials and challenges in our lives should look different to the world, from the world. Are we responding how they would respond? Are we saying the same things that they're saying? Are we just an echo of what the world, look, you can either be a voice or an echo. You can echo what they're saying or you can be a voice in the midst of the challenge and the struggle. So he says that we can rejoice when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. Isn't that interesting? What's that tell me? That maybe God is working on something different than what I think he should be working on. Maybe he's working on you. God, are you gonna work on this marriage? God, are you gonna work on her? Are you gonna work on him? Are you gonna work on these finances? Are you gonna work on my boss? Are you gonna work on my kids? He said, no, I'm working on you. I'm working on you. He says, I will help you strengthen your character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Our character strengthens our confidence. Look at this cycle. Isn't this interesting? It all comes back around. I run into a problem or a trial. I'm developing my endurance. My endurance is working on my character. It's working on me. It's changing me. And then my character is strengthening my confidence. Why? Because there's something else coming that I'm gonna need my faith strengthened, my faith assured, my faith founded, my faith 
grounded. I need my hope. I need my confidence set in place. I can't go into the next battle lacking confidence. I can't take on the next trial not being strengthened in my faith. I can't take on the next battle without strengthening who I am. And so my strength comes from my opportunities of where I can reflect on what God has done. My strength comes when I can rejoice. I've got to rejoice. I've got to be full of joy. I think the new living in in James chapter one says, be full of joy. Be full of joy. Philippians chapter, no, it's it's Philippians 4.4. Philippians 4.4 in the new living says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Always be full of joy of joy. Look, he's not just telling you to be happy. He's not just telling you to have a bright perspective, to be an optimist, to look on the bright side, you know, just look at everything with rose-colored lenses. God isn't, isn't coming saying it could be way worse. You could be doing worse. That's not what God is trying to say. God is trying to say, it's your joy that will feed your strength. It's your joy that will feed your strength. Always be full of joy. Why? Because you're going to need it. We don't usually think about it that way, that you need joy. But we need joy in our lives. We need joy operating in our lives. And so the enemy, what he wants to do is he wants to rob you of your joy. He sure does. The enemy will attack your joy. He'll suck the joy right out of you. He will, he will get you looking at anything that will keep you from positioning yourself in joy. He sure will. And so what do we have to do? We've got to be intentional to reflect on the things that feed our joy because my joy will feed my faith. It will strengthen me. It will encourage me. It will develop me. Jonathan said, look at how refreshed I am because I took the bite. And he went straight for dessert, man. He got honey. He went straight to the end. Because the enemy, if even when you get a victory, he will, he will try to keep you from enjoying it. He sure will. So right now, I just want to take a moment, just in closing and just wrapping this up. And we're not, I'm not going to ask the worship team to come up. I'm just going to, right here where we're at now, I want us to take a moment to just reflect on what God has done. You might be smack dab in the middle of a trial right now. You may have just come through a trial, but you're wore out, exhausted, and you don't have what it takes to get to the next thing. You you may be just entering a trial. You may have everything going great. It might be easy for you to rejoice right now. It might not be easy for you to rejoice, but I'm telling you right now that this is a moment. We cannot miss these moments. We cannot miss the moments to rejoice. We cannot miss the moments to reflect on His goodness. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaith.austin.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church Podcast.